The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman, Brett King, Cameron Colley and Alec Doughty. much indeed and welcome to another episode of the boys of tech this is episode 134 for monday the 19th of september 2011 my name is edwin herman and i'm joined by alec doughty on the panel this week welcome along alec hi ed how are you doing i'm fantastic i'm i couldn't be better what about yourself i'm doing pretty well pretty well now it occurred to me just today that the first names of the four regular panel members of this podcast all begin within the first five letters of the alphabet. We've got an A, a B, a C, and an E. All we need is a D. That, yep. And all right, have we, a, we need to start recruiting then, don't we? We do. So if, you're, <laughs> if your first name begins with D, David, Diane, something like that, perhaps you could be a... a Dimitri. A, Dimitri, the Russian president. Yes, we should get him on. Well, okay, he, he, I'm sure he's not the only Dimitri, but it is the, the, he's the Dimitri that comes to mind when you say that. Well, he was front of mind when I said it. Yeah, well, he's isn't he? Uh, he's in the news, isn't he? He is. Should we kick off with a story involving him? Why not? Let's do it. Let's do it. So why is he in the... Well, he's in the news for a lot of reasons because he's he's the president of Russia, but he's uh, particularly in the tech news at the moment because there's a uh, an operating system called Re- ReactOS, I think it's called, or ReactOS. I'm not sure how you Reactos, pronounce it. ReactOS, I would, I would pronounce it. I don't know I, what the I official... I would say pro- OS because the O and the S are in capitals. ReactOS. All right. We'll call it that. So it's ReactOS. <laughs> In any event, well, what is it? Well, it's more than just an operating system. It's actually supposed to be, how do I describe it? A Windows clone, I suppose, is the best I, I can describe I would, it. I would describe it as a lawsuit waiting to happen. <laughs> yes. Yes. It, uh, yeah, it, it pretty much. So it's, a, it's, I like the way you say that. It's great. It's, a, you, you look, you're doing a fantastic job stepping in for Cameron there. That would have been a Cam comment. But yeah, no, look, it, it, it is... It, Exactly that. It's a it's an operating system that's designed to mimic Windows such that, in theory, you can take a Windows application and run it on this sort of Windows clone operating system. And as you say, surely there must be some some lawsuits in, uh, in the my, making out of this. My, Microsoft would go after this with teeth bared. Oh yeah, like bite you, the throat of the of the development community and just not let go. Oh, you better believe it. Yeah. So the Russian president, President Medvedev, was apparently asked to help fund this. And uh, he was asked for 1 million euros. By a cheeky little student. (laughs) Yes, that's right. A student at a Russian high school uh, that the president uh, visited recently. Uh, It hasn't been turned down, but I don't think it's been confirmed yet either. No, he he was uh, quoted as saying, hmm, very interesting. Is that all he said? Pretty much. So I well, don't know if it's going to get... It was us- indeed very interesting. 
So who knows whether the funding is going to come through. But yeah, it is essentially a, an alternative to Windows that is fully compatible with Windows. It will run. But hang on a sec. Let's just go. Let's just back the truck up a little bit. You talked about a lawsuit waiting to happen. But already there are translators, I think, for, so you can run Linux binaries on other non-Linux operating systems like BSD. Absolutely. But even, even those sorts of um, emulators are subject to patents and all of that sort of stuff. I mean, um, Sony is quite quick to crack down on on any PlayStation emulators that crop up, and Nintendo has has stamped down on on any uh, sort of Super NES or GameCube emulators that have popped up. So I I don't think it's... It's absolutely possible that an emulator could be written to run Windows applications. I'm, I'm, I'm not challenging that at all. I think it's, it, it's actually a, a funky little project. It's really cool. But Microsoft is not going to take this lying down. No, you actually, yeah, you're right. Microsoft, of course, they're going to do whatever they legally can yeah. to, to, to stop this because it's a threat to them. Absolutely, it is. Because it's free. I think I didn't mention explicitly, but I guess it's implied. It's free and it's open source. And it's non-commercial as well. So the the project itself is non-commercial. Hence the the need for funding. Indeed. But yeah, look, it apparently uh, boots up a lot faster. So a machine that would normally take about a minute to boot, I think under this React OS takes uh, about 10 seconds to boot. The, that's so, that's fast. That's certainly fast, and I think that's a nice segue into the next story. Yeah, well, absolutely. <laughs> well done. You're doing my job now too. <laughs> do you want to do the whole show? You can do. You, you can <laughs> no, do no, you're doing a great job. <laughs> no, but you're right. Actually, uh, Windows 8 apparently has some big performance boosts in its uh, boot up time. Huge performance lift. Indeed. Now, we do I have to put a caveat on this because there is a video out there of, I think, Windows 8 booting up in two seconds. But we, we have to put a caveat on that. This is like, a, some I think it's an eight-core machine with 100% flash SSD disk. Yep. So that makes a huge difference. So for your average punter with a dual-core machine running a spinning disk, it ain't going to be anywhere near two seconds. No, it'll be quadruple that. It'll be eight seconds. Is it? Yeah. Really that is really fast. Yeah. Mm. I, so I, I think the key to this is is the, the, the redesign that Windows or Microsoft have done with it. Now um, it's my understanding that with Windows eight, the standard interface that everyone's familiar with with Windows seven and before, with the start menu and, and the, the menu bars and everything like that, that is no longer a core part of the kernel, all right? The kernel is this new interface, what they're calling the Metro interface, and the old school Windows 7 style of desktop is more like a, an application that you run on top of the operating system. So it's, it's a skin, really. But you still need that, right? No, Before no, you, you don't. But no, you want to be you're useful, like, don't, don't you want to get to that point absolutely but that i guess my point was that doesn't need to load in order for the boot to actually finish oh i see what you're saying right so it can be ready to present 
Yeah, no, because the kernel is a lot more lightweight now. Right, okay. So right. it can run on ARM and, and, and those sorts of things as well. So once it's actually booted it up and you actually want to run a backwards compatible application, then it basically loads up all of the DLLs and whatever that it needs to run the old desktop. That's my understanding of how it actually works. Look, I think this is fantastic because the most frustrating thing I find is a slow boot up time. It is just frustrating. Absolutely, absolutely. And and I recently built a, a new PC as my home theater PC. And um, when I originally bought it, it just had a um, an old magnetic media HDD in it. And um, the boot times were okay. It was like a minute and a half. It wasn't too bad. But I put a, an SSD in it as the primary drive, as the system drive, and it's now got a 20-second boot up. Wow, that's a huge improvement. Yeah. So just by making that change, that it shows how much of a bottleneck that hard drives are these days. You know, back in the days of XP and I think OS maybe 10.4, 10.5, you know, it was the case that the Mac was booting up not insignificantly faster. It it was noticeably faster, uh, you know. And we we used to have these arguments in the office over this. So, of course, I, I did the pragmatic thing as I grabbed a Mac, I grabbed a PC, yeah, similar, similar hardware. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We switch them on at the same time. Bang, there you go. Right. Uh, the Mac's already asking me for a username and password. Windows is still doing its little thing with the, you know, the fadey bits going, yeah, scrolling yeah. past. And I'm logging in and I've just about got my desktop shown when Windows is ready to ask for the username and password. But now, you know, I'm running uh, OS 10.6, which is Snow Leopard. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got another machine running Lion. And the boot up time is... Really, it's it's not very good. I'm not impressed. Really? So yeah. I wonder if uh, if Lion has actually improved that. Are you planning on on moving to Lion? Yeah, I've got all? I've got one that's online, and I don't really see any. Oh, look, I haven't. Don't get me wrong here. I haven't done a, a sort of a scientific test like what I described earlier. Yeah, but recently. a gut feel test. But, but is, the gut, is, yeah, it's, it doesn't yeah. feel it doesn't feel that fast. Tell you what I should do and, and report back on the next episode is I'll do a Windows 7 versus Lion test. I'll, a machine of similar spec and, yep. uh, you know, obviously I won't be able to get them exact. Turn them on at the same time and uh, we'll see what happens. I look forward to uh, you reporting back. I'll do that. I'll put it on my list of things to do. How's that? That's my <laughs> homework. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Now, it was not a good week for cloud services. If Brett was here, we'd have uh, a 20-minute rant of why the cloud isn't the way to go so in Brett's absence I guess you're it Alec (laughs) I love the cloud (laughs) no you're not meant to say that no uh, but yeah look it it has its own fair share of problems but I guess I guess so do in-house IT systems though as well I am of course referring to uh, Office 365 going down and also Google Docs so both Microsoft and Google have had their fair share of of outages in, in the week just gone Microsoft I think was out for three and a half hours and Google for... On a couple of days, over two different days, I think. Was it two different days, was it? Yeah. I thought it was well, it was three hours, three and a half hours one day. I know that much. Because they wrote a media release there that Ars Technica got that, uh, that says on Thursday, September 8th at approximately 8pm, Microsoft became aware of a DNS issue causing service degradation for multiple services. We achieved full service restoration at approximately 11.30pm. 
Yeah, three and a half uh, hours. But there may have been another day that I didn't quite catch there as well. There, but. there was another part of the the article where they were talking to some small to medium business guy, and he he mentioned that he'd had trouble on a different day as um, well. So maybe there are a number of uh, outages that contributed to this. But aside from the detail, the point is that there were businesses that were put out. There were businesses that that couldn't operate effectively whilst this outage was on. Absolutely. And and I'd point out that it wasn't just Microsoft that was having outages. Amazon and Google Apps had outages within the last month as well. So it's becoming more and more common across the board for cloud services. And more people notice it because there are more people attached to these cloud services. So if, if you're talking about an enterprise, you might have 1,000, 2,000, 10,000 people on an exchange server or series of exchange servers internal with, within a, 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 an enterprise's network. And if it goes down, only those, those staff members are actually affected. But when you've got a cloud service and there are hundreds of thousands or millions of users using it, then all of those users are affected by the outage, not just your business. Potentially. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Which is, which is why so, it, it hits the news a lot more because there, there are more people affected by it. It has a bigger impact. Yeah. So no IT system is immune to outages. Absolutely. It's just impossible. It just doesn't happen that way. The thing is that I think the general feeling I'm getting, at least for some of the way some of the articles are sort of reporting this and the way some of the analysts have been commenting, is that the level of outages is really not up to scratch. I would tend to agree. They've, I, I think they all of the services need to have better um, disaster recovery and failover in order to protect themselves and their users from from this kind of thing separate data centers that you can just cut over to if you need to. Who was it that had the DNS? I think it was Microsoft. That was Microsoft, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, if it really was, look, I, to be honest, I don't know what to believe when you know these companies come out it's with rather, a reason. Yeah, it was a rather nebulous reason, DNS issue. Yeah, but if it was, if it really was a rogue DNS entry that was redirecting connections to, a diff- to an invalid or non-existent IP... Uh, then that is actually really hard to fix quickly because you have to wait. You know, you can make a change to put it right. Yeah, but you have to, exactly, you have to wait for that change to cascade right through all the the DNS uh, servers around the world, uh, especially with caching and so on. So if it really was a DNS issue, and like I say, I don't know what to believe when these companies give reasons, I just ignore them and just (laughs) think something happened, who cares what it was. Yeah, Um, someone kicked a cord out of the wall. Yeah, it could have just been that, who knows. Uh, But yeah, if it really was a DNS issue, then yeah, it is something that you, you can apply the fix straight away, but the effect won't be seen for for hours later, sometimes up to a day later. Absolutely. Are we going to talk about AOL and Yahoo, apparently rumoured to be in merger talks? It's being reported on, so it must be true. Well, <laughs> I read it on the internet, so it must be true. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, I I can see that happening because, uh, I don't know, I, I don't know why, but I can kind of see that happening more than I can see Yahoo and Microsoft getting in bed together. Oh, absolutely. Yahoo burnt that bridge already. Yeah, that's not going to... By, gonna, by, by turning down back. their 49 bill, Microsoft's $49 billion offer. 
in hindsight, they should have taken it. Oh, absolutely. They're only worth $17 billion now. I know. I know. All those billions that... Yeah. Well, I guess evaporated. it would have been Microsoft, it would have been Microsoft's loss unless they turned, uh, you know, turned Yahoo around. Yeah, I mean, Microsoft wouldn't wouldn't want them now. They're, yeah, no, they're, they're uh, a lame duck. Well, this is the thing: no one wants them. The only person that wants them is, <laughs> is potentially AOL. AOL. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it's the two lamest ducks in the pond. Really, <laughs> oh, I'm being a bit nasty, but you know. Yeah, I I would call Yahoo the lamest duck in the pond, absolutely. But Yahoo, uh, sorry, AOL over the last sort of 18 months has done quite a lot to sort of turn themselves around and and change direction and basically turn into a content company, not a service provision company. The biggest thing about AOL that- Gadget and TechCrunch and Huffington Post and- Is that all AOL? That's all AOL, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, okay. Maybe maybe I'll agree with you. Yeah. The I mean, when I think AOL, I always think about the radios the radio station guide, online streaming and whatnot. Yeah. They had a really good radio I don't know if they still do. I don't use AOL much services. anymore. Yeah. No, I don't. No. I don't even use Winamp anymore. Oh Winamp. Oh, that's going back a while. <laughs> I remember yeah. Winamp. Long time ago, before AOL bought them, wasn't AOL one of those? I think Microsoft were kind of like them as well, where they they tried to create their own version of the internet, if you like, their own well, view. They of- started, yeah. I mean, AOL started with with America Online, which was basically their closed walled garden, and you could only see content within AOL if you were an AOL subscriber. What was the point of that? I, I never understood that. What was the Neither point of did that? I. <laughs> it? Was just, it was obviously a failure because it, um, you know, they obviously well, went, they had to open up eventually. Oh yeah, exactly. But yes, they tried to sort of offer a. So I guess they they were trying to be everything that you needed on the internet. Yeah, everything to everyone, and no one can do that. No, no, absolutely. So anyway, watch the space uh, on AOL and Yahoo. In the meantime, speaking of uh, mergers and cooperation and whatnot. Google and Intel possibly working on getting uh, the Android operating system working on the Intel uh, platform. Yeah, I, I, I thought this was um, quite interesting, um, and, and I couldn't really see the advantage to Google to, to this. I, I can certainly see the advantage to Intel because it gets their CPUs, their low-power CPUs, to a better standard, but... Again, if the relationship is with Google, Google doesn't make phones. Well, well I guess it they do. It makes now, me, now yeah, now Motorola. it does. Motorola. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, oh, right. That's that's actually making more sense to me now because I was I, I was really trying to work out where the strategic value is in in that. It, it I thought it would have made more sense for for Intel to actually team up with Samsung or with with HTC. But I guess they could be teaming up with Motorola. Now, the thing is, though, would would Motorola be putting Intel chips in their phones, or wouldn't they just put yeah. Motorola chips? At the moment, they use they use uh, Motorola chips or ARM chips, I believe. It'll be interesting to see because I'm kind of with you on this as well. I'm kind of thinking, what's the angle on this? I I, I can't quite really figure it out. I, I mean, we haven't. There's been no announcement of I don't know a an Intel phone or something. It it, it an feels Intel just phone. a bit desperate on Intel's behalf. 
But obviously Google must see something in it, otherwise they wouldn't go for it, surely. There has well, to be something I think in it for both Intel of them. Intel is kicking some money over the side. Do you think that's what it, oh well, that's a point. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, it could just be like, hey, here's some money. Yeah. Uh, let's do it. And Google's like, oh, yeah, well, we could do it with a bit of money. So, yeah, maybe, maybe that's what it's about. Who knows? Well, I guess we'll see in, in the the next 12 to 18 months. I can't see it affecting their Intel's short-term ability to produce better better CPUs at, at that sort of low-power tablet smartphone spec. But maybe in 18 months to two years, they might just spring onto the market with a brand new line of, of um, low-power CPUs that just knock everyone else out of the water. Well, I mean, maybe that's the thing. Maybe Google knows something that we don't. Maybe. Hmm. Again, watch the space. Now, you brought my attention to this really awful story. About- I know. It's sick. I felt sick when I actually oh, this is. I can't believe there are people like this. I'm referring, of course, to Sean Duffy, who was uh, sentenced recently in jail for how long? 18 weeks. Oh, that's not very long, is it? No, not very long at all. He deserved more, but he got the maximum service that the law would actually allow. So do you want to take our listeners through what, what he was doing? Well, um, he, he's an internet troll that for some bizarre reason decided to, to start tormenting families of dead teenagers by posting really disturbing, nasty stuff about those dead teenagers on Facebook and creating Facebook pages and, and really bad taste um, YouTube clips. And yeah, he, he, he was just an awful person. That is absolutely, I, I, can't, I couldn't believe, when I, when I saw the story, I thought, what would possess someone to, to do that? But it's obvious to me that he's, he's obviously, he's sick, he's unwell. Yeah, no absolutely. One in there, no one in there. I have this sort of, um, what's the word? This this del- dilemma, if you like, in, in, in my head when I, when I sort of uh, reflect on serious crime or just sick crime like this. And the only way I can explain the reason that people actually do these things is because they're actually not well upstairs. So I've got this sort of dilemma: like, what do you do with these people? Do you send them to a mental institute? Or do you jail them? And I'm talking about this guy here. I'm talking about rapists. I'm talking about murderers. All those sorts of people. Yeah, I, I guess it's the reason a, I'm saying this is a wider societal dilemma. It is because I mean, here's the thing. It, I, I'm in two minds. What I'm trying to say is that part of me says I'm, I'm really pleased he's jailed because that is a really, really mean, evil, and sick thing to do. The other and side, but show the, any remorse either. Well, you know, that takes me to the other side of me, which says, well. He's maybe mentally unwell. Maybe he needs help. I think he was aware of what he was doing. Yeah, I just don't think he has a conscience. I guess what's reassuring is that the law applies on the internet as it does in in the physical world. If you're going to be a a complete prick and do nasty things, uh, you'll certainly find yourself on the wrong side of the law. Yeah. So what can people do to prevent this sort of thing from happening? I, I, I don't know. Can they close off... The profiles of people who've uh, recently been deceased, if, if the family, I, I guess, maybe, I don't know. They they could, um, but this, I, I don't think there's anything you can really do to stop people like this because he was creating his own Facebook groups, and anyone can do that, right? Yeah, and anyone can do that. He was creating a group about about a, a 
young dead teenager and then just really poor taste. Vindictive. This is Sean Duffy, he's 25, and uh, he, we're, he, this is Australia? Or is this oh, the UK? No, it was the UK. The UK. Yeah. Right. There are sick puppies in the world. There are. And uh, not all of them live on Facebook, some of them live on Twitter, and let's talk about Twitter right now. How was that? We go segue mad tonight. <laughs> I didn't think that was very smooth at all, but that's the best I could do. Uh, yeah. Twitter apparently when you call them out. Sorry, what's that? It's even better when you call them out and point at it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> like that segue. <laughs> look how bad it was. Yeah, uh, Twitter. Twitter is <laughs> wanting to claim back. Well, no, not really claim back, but claim the trademark tweet, which was actually filed by another party before Twitter could file for it. Yeah, I cannot believe that Twitter did not register tweet as a trademark. That just boggles my mind. Yeah, because we're talking 2008 here, I think. Yeah. So, you know... 2008 was when TwitAd registered tweet as part of their strap line or advertising line, let your ad meet tweets. Yeah, so they registered that in July 2008. And by then, Twitter was in full swing. Yeah, they, they, they were a year into in, into their life, at a least. A couple of years, I think. 2006 it started. Yeah. But mind you, the first year was... Pretty much just... Early days, not many yeah. people. But yeah, you're right. Uh, certainly uh, by then, it had a good year or so under its belt of... And it, of, it was gathering some good, good user growth e- even then. Hmm. So I don't know what's going to happen here, but... Uh, Twitter actually had a good response, I thought. They said that the trademark tweet was not generally known to the consuming public beyond its dictionary meaning relating to birdsong and had no association with web-based social networking and communication services. And they have a very good point. It's a very good argument. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, what did tweet mean prior to Twitter? It just meant, well, a bird going tweet, tweet. Yeah, chirp, chirp. Yeah. Yeah. Cheap, cheap. There's a song, Cheepy Cheepy Cheep Cheep. Oh, is it? Yeah, there's a song in there. Who sings that? Uh, middle of the Road, I believe, is the uh, the artist. That's right. Middle of the Road. Cheepy Cheepy Tweet Tweet. Right. Um, <laughs> if I could see you, we're, we're doing this over Skype, right? But if I could see you, you're probably looking at me sort of with sort of a ra- one raised eyebrow and a sort of a yeah, perplexed look as if like, what the hell? Is my camera on? <laughs> I got the, that right, didn't I? I got the expression right, didn't I? <laughs> Absolutely. Both eyebrows were raised. <laughs> oh, goodness me. Look, I think I'm going to end the uh, international stories part of the show here. And right after this little musical interlude, I want to talk about the .nz namespace. No, don't go away. Welcome back. Now, this is one of these stories where I get to say, I've been saying this for years as I thump my finger down on the table. There is a movement, um, perhaps not a very strong one right now, but there is a movement to ditch the second level domain names in uh, in the .nz namespace. And by that, I'm talking about the co.nz, the .net.nz, the .govt.nz and so on, and just have .nz. So the Australian equivalent, Alec, would be as like having a .au as opposed Absolutely. to .com.au. 
Yeah, I know. I would love that. I would love that too. And I've been saying this, in fact, from 1995 or 1996, I think, when I owned my first domain name, my first .nz domain name, which, by the way, were free at the time. All you had to do is email the guy at Waikato University with the uh, the zone file entry and he'd copy-paste it in and bingo, there's your domain name live. Uh, those were the days. But since then, I've been, I've been thinking, why do we need this superfluous layering? Absolutely, yeah. It, 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 it made no sense to me. Most countries don't have, have it. Have their own. No, most yeah. countries have 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 their own top level domain, and that's um, it. Yeah. Dot at. Dot es. Dot de. Dot ca. Um, dot ch. Yeah, dot ca. Uh, I mean, I Canada just... has their own. Why can't Australia and New Zealand? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I don't know whether it's because we go from the British model, you know, but because uh, you know Britain has. Dot co. Dot uk. I don't know if true. that's where it comes from. I don't know, but it's. I don't know. I'd rather have like myname.nz rather than myname.co.nz. And one of the big arguments for it is that a vast majority of people register under .co.nz, whether they're a company or not. I think there's something like 370,000 odd domain names under that. The second largest is .net.nz at 25,000. And then under that, it's, there's just about almost nothing. It's negligible. So... There you go. Why do you need that extra tearing? You don't. That's my argument anyway. Absolutely, and I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Great. Maybe we should run the domain name systems for Australia and New Zealand. Why not? Why not? Why not? Let's do it. I'll vote for you if you vote for me. All right, sweet. All right, it's a deal. Excellent. And on that note, Alec, I'd like to thank you very much for making episode 134 of The Boys of Tech a fantastic and fun episode. I, I had a great deal of fun. Excellent. So did I. And uh, hopefully we'll have Brett and Cameron uh, back on board next week. By the way, if you like the show, consider sending us a donation. It's entirely optional, but we'd love to have it. You can do that via PayPal on our website at boysoftech.com. See you next week, everyone. Goodbye. See you later, guys. Bye.